You are listening to The Takedown Notice, conferencing on Google Hangouts, hosted by Podbean. It is The Takedown Notice, episode six. Today we're going to be talking about The Shepherd's Dog by Iron and Wine, and probably some other stuff before that. Hey, John, I had something I wanted to tell you. I heard a, a really great rumor in NFL free agency that the Browns are going to make a trade for Tom Brady. <laughs> and I'm not even making that up. I, I, I actually did read that on the on the Browns subreddit, that there was something going around that was just that crazy. Guys, this might actually happen. It, it, this was like 12 hours before free agency. And I thought of you, not and I'm like, possible. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> Yes, obviously not. But, of course, but I Browns. To myself, but, you can't uh, take yeah. Zeus off of Olympus. And, <laughs> oh, I just threw up in my mouth a lot. Not even a little bit. Oh. You can deal with it. You want the Super Bowl. Whatever you transplant, Seahawk. <laughs> oh, guys. Tom Brady is our, he's our passion here at the Takedown Notice. Tom Brady and talking about music, which is what we're going to do right now. Guys, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I've been trying to dig into the discography of the great Bruce Springsteen uh, had mentioned his album Wrecking Ball, uh, totally unrelated to the Miley Cyrus song. I assume, unless there's something I don't understand. I came in like a um, I really creepy to that. video with Bruce Springsteen yeah. on a Wrecking Ball. <laughs> that's, the, that's the uncut version. Um, no, you know, I, I circled back around and I was listening to some of his other stuff and I circled back around to uh, Born to Run again, which is, you know, very commonly regarded as his best album. And I don't know if I just, I had to listen to it on headphones or what, but man, it suddenly, it, it was like, oh, this is really good. I'm really into this. And I, I, I was listening to it in the car with my wife and I got to like, and my, my wife, I should preface this, she's not... You know, she she's her music musical tastes are not as adventurous as maybe mine are, and you know, I know Bruce Springsteen isn't super super adventurous, but she was um, she's not really familiar with it, and so we were we were sitting there listening to it, and it gets to the third song, which is called Night, and the opening, you know, you hear Clarence Clemens' saxophone just blasting in there, and she's like, this song sounds like Christmas, and I was like, excuse me, and she's like, it sounds like Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's because you're probably thinking of the version that they did. And she's like, okay, well then, yeah, all their songs sound like Christmas songs. And so, guys, now in our house, Bruce Springsteen is, is now Christmas music. He's, he is Santa Claus. He is, he's, only, he's known for Santa Claus is coming to town more than for Born to Run in our house. You guys have no idea. The next album we're doing that I'm choosing is Kenny G's Christmas. Boom. Wow. <laughs> This will be. Uh, this is the a, last episode of the Take Down Notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's burn those bridges before they're this built. This is how we'll go out. Kenny G's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. This is how the world ends. Right. <laughs> we uh, also. I was listening to. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what inspired me to, to listen to this, but I was listening to uh, the greatest hits album by Al Green. know why i felt compelled to, to get into that i think on the side i write for i think someone mentioned it in an article or in the boards or something and i was just like i should listen to that and i was listening to that i've really been digging that lately too um 
So yeah, that's that's what I'm listening to right now. Ryan, I'm I'm calling on you first. Your hand wasn't up, but I'm calling you. Calling on me. Oh my gosh, why did you have to do that right now? Um, you want me to come back to you? No, shut your face. I don't want you to come back to me. (laughs) You you scad. Um, what am I listening to? Oh, I'm listening to a new album by Phantograms. It's kind of an electro pop ish, massive attack sort of vein, I guess. Um, listening to that, still listening to Frozen because it's just never going to go away. And Bobby Dylan. Oh, actually, no. You know what? I've been listening to The Joy Formidable Wolf's Law a lot. That's a good album. It's an amazing album, and it's one that I can't escape from. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. good. I always circle back around to that. What you said you were listening to to Bob Dylan. What yes. Bob Dylan are you listening to? Uh just greatest hits. I don't really oh, okay. I, I don't have the I don't like any of his songs on just one album enough to just sit down and listen to an album. So I just throw a bunch of his, his songs that I like into a pot and uh, hit shuffle. There you go. No no particular insights on Bob Dylan, just more of him being as great as he is. Yeah, uh, he'll never amount to anything. Who's heard no. of Bob Dylan? <laughs> I mean, really. Can't even understand him. You yeah. shut your whore mouth. All right, who's next? John, just no, for that, I, you're I next. Really, I really do <laughs> yeah. like Bob Dylan. I was just making a joke. Okay. Oh, okay. That's fine. Joke's um, unacceptable. <clears throat> you're going next. So, let's see. Um, Are you listening to Frozen 2? Not as much anymore. <laughs> not, Ellie's kind of not, gone not... through like a... Um, not as much Frozen. Fine, Ellie. Like, today we, <laughs> we watched... Um, oh, Snow White instead of Frozen. So oh, I got a reprieve. Um, yeah, I got a... still the snow though. Yeah, I mean, talk about like you know the dumb. I mean, she's not blonde, but she. I mean, who literally believes that an apple is a wishing apple and takes it when from a creepy old lady? It's a magic wishing apple. A wishing apple. You know, seriously, well, clearly Snow she White deserved does. to. But you know, she's had spell. a she's had a life of privilege. I mean, she's a she's a wealthy white girl. She went missing, and everyone made a big deal about it. And isn't that a thing that they do on the news where bunch of white midgets girl that like take care of her? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know if that's been in other news stories. I could be I could be misremembering <laughs> things, but yeah. Okay, so back to music. Um, <laughs> uh, listen to a decent number of songs by Walk the Moon. Um, I went back and watched the One Shining Moment videos because it's March Madness time. Uh, probably, I think I wrote, listened to like the last 20 years worth of them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, which, you know, I'm very familiar with that song now. Um, it was interesting to see all the videos, but, uh, that was just, you know, the basketball fan in me getting pumped up. Um, I, I I haven't done that myself, but I'm going to say that it sounds like interesting might be a strong word for what we're talking about here. <laughs> one Shining Moment. Like you said, is it like 20 years of it? Just like different videos of it? Yeah, they've been doing the One Shining Moment video since, you know, the, probably the early 80s. I guess so. Um, huh. Yeah, I mean, I found myself digging some Luther Vandross singing it. Um, the original yeah. was Teddy Pendergrass. Uh, 
got some uh, some interesting stuff. Um, the other day, I found myself listening to some um, excuse my language, uh, Starfucker. Um, I mean, I love Reptilians. Uh, that's just a a good album. But uh, I was listening to some of that. That was, that was some good stuff. I like my electronic stuff as well. Um, outside of that, I mean, I mentioned the other day the Foster the People album, so I'll keep saying that. But um, cool. I'm sorry about that slam about one shining moment, man. It didn't. It didn't do anything to deserve that, dude. It is. It is a quality uh, family environment song. It is that and, you know you always tried your best. That's that's the and now 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 they can see. That's right. It was your one shining moment. Oh man, this got gooey. Okay, Aaron, you better go. Talk <laughs> about Slayer. Come on, bring it home. <laughs> yeah, ba- yeah. I like Slayer. I haven't been playing playing Slayer, but back to the roots. A little bit of uh, a little bit of Megadeth. Um, I mean, rest in peace and. Uh, uh, P-Cells, but who's buying those two albums, uh, Holy Wars, The Punishment Do, is probably my favorite Megadeth song. P-Cells is also just just amazing. So, a lot of Megadeth, but also just kind of uh, doing the whole prog uh, thing with Protest the Hero. I got to see them in concert in Cleveland last year with the old band buddies. Um, Which, when we when he says the old band buddies, this is the the band <sighs> that Aaron was in in college called Shattered. Yes, Shattered. And I'm gonna assume that Aaron's gonna is gonna put in some song oh, yeah. from Shattered's repertoire into the oh, episode yeah. now. And Definitely. we won't get any takedown notices for that, so he's just gonna play the whole album. <laughs> no one cares. I vote for no. this. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and of course, the ultimate dream theater, uh, Images and Words, maybe one of the best albums in metal of all time. Uh, that's, that's an exaggeration. But in prog metal, definitely. Um, and also, uh, Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from Memory, um, a later 90s album by Dream Theater. Just, uh, just really big stuff. Uh, at some point, I would love to talk about a Dream Theater track just to see what we just to kind of test the waters. You can use um, one yeah. track as your album. You know, you know. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I do think that'd be cool someday to talk about where we all just pick, like we all pick a long song, like you know, ten mm-hmm. minutes plus or something, and right. we talk about those. I think that'd be, I think it'd be a fascinating episode to do sometime. Not next time necessarily, no, but no, yeah. it's 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 something worth looking into. I think at some point down the road. So once we've run out of other ideas, exactly. <laughs> We, as you can see, this we're already scraping all fish episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do Fish's live cover of the White Album and just talk about that, <laughs> which is actually pretty cool. If you guys ever listen to it, you should. Never. If you like the White Album or Fish, maybe you don't, and maybe you guys are all morons who have to be herded and told what we're going to talk about next. Is that is that the case? It sounds like wow. it might be. We are sheeple. Open. I am getting a little aggressive because I think we're ready to start talking about the shepherd's dog. 
by Iron and Wine. That album definitely brings out the aggression in people. Uh, <laughs> usually turns them into simmering balls of rage. So yeah. I understand where you are coming from. Now that we have established how crazy with rage iron and wine makes people, maybe we need to all simmer down and find out from Ryan why he picked this album. Tell us about it, Ryan. Uh, I came across this album when it first came out, actually. Um, I had just moved to Seattle about a year earlier, and this is when there were still record stores, a scant seven years ago. And I had walked from my house to this record store. <clears throat> it was uh, a great place, and it just closed a couple of years ago. Easy Street Records, uh, kind of a Seattle staple. Um, but I had gone there and just, you know, wandered through, looked at the CDs because I'm cheap and didn't want to buy anything new. And then I just saw this, and I was like, oh, I heard that one song by Iron and Wine once, and I was feeling adventurous. And, uh, and so I bought it just kind of on a whim and I listened to it and it was, it was very distinctly not like anything I had ever heard before. And since then, of course, I've listened to its influences. We talked about Nick Drake the last time, you know, so I've heard more of where it came from, but at the time it was, um, it came to me at a point where there was so much new stuff happening in my life, moving from Ohio to Seattle, which is a pretty big contrast that it felt like it was growing up with me. Um, and the album does feel like it, it sort of adventures a little bit on, on getting your own feet and, you know, trying to engage with the world, but not really trusting it. Um, some of those themes and I, I don't know, it's just one that's always stuck with me. So, uh, it's also one that I'm really familiar with. So I thought it would be a good one to talk about. Um, and also one that, because I've listened to it so many times, I, I have my own feelings about it, but I'm interested to hear what other people have to say about it uh, from the outside perspective. So, Curious, was the one song you had heard before the cover of Postal Service's Such Great Heights? Oh, John, you know it was. Yeah, it was. And I actually, I prefer, I think I prefer the Iron and Wine version over the Postal Service version. I like them both a lot, but... I like the I like the Iron and Wine version a lot, um, and it it is that sort of soporific acoustic guitar cover. But I think Beam's vocals are just so soothing that I don't really I don't really mind. It's not something that I can listen to all day, but uh, I, yeah, I really like that song. Yeah, it's it's my preferred version, also. So it's all good. Yeah, yeah. So what did you guys think? To me, it's one of the more beautiful albums out there just from a pure musical standpoint and that's really all i had listened to it in the past but i gave it a much deeper look this last time today i kind of just hit this um like on the track wolves noticed like a jazz funk feel and i had never really i guess from before listening ever heard that 
and it has it had that nice undertone, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, it's a very big contrast to a lot of the other stuff. You know, you've got some Caribbean sounds, some Western yeah. sounds, Americana. Um, it was almost like a tour de force of styles with the same rhythm theme. And, I, I mean, I loved it. I mean, you've got, uh, what was it? One of them, one of them reminded me of Zeppelin. Uh, I think it was Carousel. Remind me of Zeppelin, some silver chair, um, like some of the more trippy silver chair. So yeah, I mean, you know, Innocent Bones is amazing. Uh, so I mean, it, fantastic album. Literally have nothing negative I could say about it. So yeah, I think with Wolves, for instance, uh, I kind of felt there was maybe like a maybe maybe call it a reggae funk kind of. Uh, groove going on in the background and I think uh, one thing that I love about this, this album is very dreamy uh, atmospheric and so on but very percussive not in a heavy hitting way in any way uh, but just really nice feels and yeah. enough variety but also seeming coherent um, and then how all the songs connected together initially only a few songs stood out to me and so I think it was a little bit of buy-in with this album. Yeah. Boy with a Coin stood out to me right immediately, um, which I heard on YouTube him playing that with just his acoustic, and it sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> because it's basically that acoustic hook, which is great. Yeah. But you need the whole atmosphere for that song to live. And to totally. Breathe, and, it, and it really does live that way. And I... So that one stood out. And then, of course, the waltz kind of flightless bird American mouth at the yeah. end of the album. That stood out to me immediately. The others took a little bit of time, but eventually, uh, and we can get into more later, but I think for me, Innocent Bones was my favorite. And there's several reasons. It's... Um, it also is very interesting rhythmically, but though it's quiet, the words, the, the way he uses lyrics, which we'll eventually talk about, I'm sure, very rhythmic with his consonants. Um, and I think that plays a lot in when, when that interlocks with the groove in certain ways. To me, it was just, just very, very interesting. And I didn't even know why, you know, I can't even follow the lyrics very much, but I loved the sound of the poetry. Yeah, um, and I think that's part of what he does. The lyrics are interesting because when I first got the album, it was more of just an emotional connection. Like, I was like, "Oh yeah, those words sound good with that music," but there isn't a whole lot of meaning in the lyrics. And I don't want to put too much emphasis on, "Oh, these are amazing lyrics." They're but they're really dense, and there is a lot to unpack with them. And mm -hmm. it was not something that I had really paid attention to or really noticed until we. I had started listening to this more and really digging into the lyrics and found that, wow, there's a lot going on here that I had never paid attention to. So it was really interesting to come at it with that new set of eyes and see to uh, how the musical form uh, plays into the, the greater lyrical themes of the album. Uh, it was really interesting. Can I jump in here? I, I want to ask a question. At what point, you know, Aaron, you, you made reference to the fact that the album took a lot of listens for you to kind of get into, and Ryan, you made reference to the kind of the dense lyrics of it. At what point do you give up on trying to dig into an album that way? How far do you keep going, and how far do you keep going? How much are you willing to commit 
to, until you get an album before you say, you know, maybe it's not just me. Maybe there's something actually here that's not connecting with me. This, because that's, I, I say that because that's kind of in my experience with this album. Um, mm-hmm. I want to preface this by saying, I don't, I, I don't think it's bad. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I, I, I listened to it, you know, plenty of times and I think it's really, I mean, even this morning I was listening to it to try and give it one last shot and I think this morning was the first time I was like okay I'm picking out songs that I start to really appreciate now um, this is after a lot of effort to put into it um, White Tooth Man was one that really stood out to me I really like that song a lot and I like The Devil Never Sleeps a whole bunch too um, those were probably my two highlights I like the title well not title song Wolves uh, Song of the Shepherd's Dog I like that one too you know, and there's a lot of stuff. I, Ryan, I, you mentioned this last time when we talked about futures. That it's it's pleasant and it's not bad to listen to, um, mm-hmm. but man, it's. I here's here's my thing. I, I I think really what it is. It's the same kind of mid-tempo acoustic pop in every song, and he'll just put a dash, of some other genre in there. So like White Tooth Man has a little touch of, of like, a, like yeah, there's like an Indian touch to that one. Um, you know, Peace Beneath the City also kind of draws on that. Yeah, you know, and so there'll be a little bit of gospel here. There'll be a little bit of reggae here. There'll be a little bit of, of Indian stuff here. But it's all basically mid-tempo acoustic, you know. I mean, it's it, it, you use the word soporific. It totally is. I mean, it, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it was really tough for me to get through it. Um, I mean, you know, it's like emotionally, I, I couldn't connect with it on a basic level before I was able to kind of dig into it and go, you know, more layers below that. And I think it was one of these albums that it might have been like, you know how you keep listening to an album thinking it's going to be worth the effort, thinking it's going to be worth the effort, and then you get to the end and you you break through and you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't, you know. And, and I, I'm <laughs> wondering not. if it might be that kind of album for me. Um, no, I, I think um, for me, I, I agree with you. In another context... I might have written this off as pretentious indie music that just isn't worth your time. And the lyrics keep you um, at distance a little bit at first, if, especially if you're inclined to say, oh, you know, this is, this is someone trying to be all special and you know, poetic and stuff in their own, well, I don't know, modernistic way, whatever it would be. And so I, I think that crossed my mind, like, but like through a little bit of just brute force listening and a few songs that I genuinely liked at the beginning kept me going. And I think that I, I had definitely turned a corner um, mm-hmm. after probably about five or six listens. Yeah. I, I guess I, I don't want to say, I, I, I don't think it's pretentious. I mean, there's or at least, at least not any more. Yeah. At least not any more so than any other kind of music that, that takes some effort. I, I, I mean, I, I firmly believe the best music does take effort because that's, you know, then you have something invested in it and you want it to succeed then and you want it to work for you. And I, I mean, I, I wanted this one to work for me better than it did. I, I think, yeah. and I, I should even say it did work for me on some levels. I, I, I liked some songs. I mostly enjoyed it while I was listening to it. Um, I, I guess I just found it's, it, it's, it's much samier than I think it's, 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 it, than we're letting on to me. I, like, I, yeah. I think we're, he's getting a, little, a lot of credit for using just a dash of stylistic change up when when really it, it needs but that's it, really it needs, hard. It needs to shift a little my more thing is i i like that underlying i like the bass groove like not bass like guitar but like you know 
I like that mid-tempo acoustic groove so much that I'm willing to ride with the rest of whatever's right. put on top of it. Well, and I think, and, and, and I, if you don't connect with that underlying part of it, I totally get why. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, this this to me sounds kind of like it, this. This album sounds like 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 an, an indie music cliche to me. Like, and I, and I don't say that, and that's not fair because it's, it's like 2007, it's been out for seven years now, you know, and a lot of, a lot of bands have had a lot of time to, to crib from it and to learn from it. And so I I don't want to make it sound like this album is just another garden variety album. I I don't, I I don't mean that, but I will say when I think of the kind of any music I find a little boring, this is pretty square in those crosshairs. (laughs) And I think, I think part of that is because it's just sort of like, it's kind of sleepy. It's kind of yeah. He lulls samey. you to sleep a little bit. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And, and I think I, I think I like. I, I mentioned this in our last episode. We were talking about Spoon. One thing I, I do like a little more my a, a little more blood pumping in my music yeah. than this. I think, and I think that might just be what's disconnecting for me, because I, I I think there's a. It's like I, I can get I can get into it on um, on on a more thematic abstract level. But the basic yeah. the basic act of do I enjoy listening to this, and the the answer the best I can give is kinda, for me. You <laughs> I, know, I, would I it's, say the yeah. the first time I listened to it, like ever, um, I didn't even listen to lyrics. I literally was just listening to the music, um, and so like his voice was just kind of just another instrument in the, the whole thing. Um, I wasn't listening to the details, and that's where that's where you were asking before about you know doesn't really seem like it has much of a pulse um, is what we were talking about earlier, t- you know, earlier in the day. And um, he, he drives a lot of the pulse from that, but it, it because it's such a muted, um, like he doesn't do a lot of work with his voice. Sorry. You know, a lot of range until a couple, there's a couple songs when he does, but most of them are very, very um, monotonous and kind of droning. And that kind of that can be um, easy to kind of pull you in and say, "Oh man, everything sounds the same, just a little bit different." Yeah, and, and, and I, I think and it's I on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, and I think it might have something more to do with just the fundamental style that I'm not wild about. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I think that might be where I'm where I'm not connecting with this here. I will so. say the album, <clears throat> the first two tracks I like, um, and. Uh, then we get um, Love Song of the Buzzard and Carousel, which I think take almost maybe the most buy-in um, in a way. Yeah. So up front you get this, you're met with this obstacle that you have to overcome and you wonder, is it worth it? And it's this battle that, you know, and those are my least favorite, probably those two. Yeah, yeah. I would um, definitely agree with well, that. And, and I, I think part of what, yeah, you're right, Aaron, that it, it is front-loaded with the most difficult songs they're in the first half um, i think pagan pagan angel in a borrowed car is one of the strongest and one of my favorites. yeah and it's a that that's definitely the right one to open with i, I would say um i like the devil never sleeps a lot partially because that one's got a little more pep to it um yeah. and i think it's not so much it's not even so much that i just needed a pulse it's that i needed something to change up at that point in the album um and maybe what i should have done and i might i might do this if i find myself in this situation for a future episode but i i maybe should just break down individual songs and try and take them on their own before i can try and appreciate them in the context of an album that's i mean again you're 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 kind of approaching the is this worth the effort you know line there um and and it might not be but at least that point you could 
say that this is kind of you you could be, make a little more informed uh, comment on that than maybe I can now. So um, now I'm thinking about kind of why this isn't working for me, but other albums that you might consider repetitive or that you might consider super quiet. Um, we talked about Sea Change a couple years ago, or a couple years ago, a, a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> I know. We did talk about a couple years ago, we, but just yeah, well, yeah, we did. Podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, but Sea Change by Beck is one that comes to mind. That's a very quiet, sleepy album. That one is much more atmospheric to me and much more engaging. Um, and I don't know if it's just the raw emotion is closer to the top in that album, which it really is. That album is definitely a, a songwriter, you know, o- opening his veins and pouring it on the page, you know. Um, the other one I thought of, I thought of stuff by Fleet Foxes. Um, we've all listened to them a little bit. Um, but Fleet Foxes is much more of a, a brighter, more harmonic, you know, just j- just generally there's more there's more musicality there to it. And, and I, I, so I think I'm like, well, what is what, what isn't connecting here for me? Well, I had never thought about it until you put it this way, but it's a really distant album. Yes. There's not a lot of personal connection going on here. Like, he's not talking about his own personal struggles. It's very abstract. It feels like And I had not really thought of it in that terms, in those terms before. You know what? I I think that's exactly what's bothering me here, that this album, it's it's making me do all the work, which sounds really bad. But but, I mean, I I think that's a, I I think that does speak to a, to something of a deficiency as a songwriter because music to me is an emotional art and if you if you aren't making that leap that to me sounds like you know come on you you well i don't know that it's not emotional but i don't think he ties it to a personal emotion and so the emotion comes like in fleet foxes for instance we talked about helplessness blues and the emotion that we feel from that comes as we relate to the songwriter explaining his his ambiguous feelings about the world whereas this one i i i feel emotional when thinking about um, House by the Sea or um, Resurrection Fern. Resurrection Fern is a really emotional song for me, and that one probably comes closest to, you know, him personally relating some sort of intimate feeling. Um, But I I think it does shoot for some emotional connection there, but it's way more at a distance, and it's not as immediately as accessible as something like Fleet Foxes, where um, it, it artfully is emotive uh, not in like a saccharine way but in a way that is very relatable and uh, well in this on this album you need to be internally consistent at some level once you do some some of the lyrics in the way he writes the poetry you can't have something really straightforward then you know at some level when the whole album is yeah Yeah. you you have to be honest with yourself at some level yeah and i i should probably amend what i was saying about how i when there's not an emotional connection or when it's that distant, there's probably a deficiency as a songwriter. I don't know if that's, I think it's more just that as an art form, I think music is generally more successful when the songwriter is trying to make that connection on some, yeah. you know, and like if, you know, and I, and that's, but you know, well, again, you can do abstract, me... people do abstract art. There's lots of other types of music that don't connect and that doesn't have anything to do with the songwriter so i don't know maybe it, I, I i do agree it's a very distant kind of feel though and you have to you have to work to make it to make it pay off let me throw out an idea i mean i think for me maybe this is i say this maybe as an instrumentalist or something uh but maybe more than that there's different ways to connect i mean there's and for yeah. me the rhythm section the percussion and just the integration of all the instruments and the feel it kind of generated was really perfect i mean so for me, I was engaged, especially as I listened, I was super engaged in the, in the percussion, in the feel, and forget the songwriting on top of that. But 
eventually, you know, once I, because I was so engaged in just the instruments. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I have, I have had album situations where I, I, it's more like you just kind of have to live in what the album is doing. And if you mm-hmm. hit and, and you just kind of hit, there's like a pulse that once you're kind of in tune with it, that's when stuff starts revealing itself. So I, I, I do, I do relate to that. I've, I've had, I, I have experienced that. This kind of turns the conversation maybe. Sure. But, sure. Um, there are a lot of themes that are coming up with the lyrics. I no individual song really struck me as I resonated with it necessarily. However, there are lots of like religious themes. Um, yeah. A lot of uh, images that come up. Resurrection, obviously, with Resurrection Fern, but lots of others. Uh, in Innocent Bones, we have the great uh, How God of Christ Came Back, you would find this in a poker game line, uh, which is great. Uh, but like lots of like, images which in themselves you're like, uh, is this connected to anything? But throughout you get the sense that he has religious images on his mind, and I read a little bit about him. I guess he grew up in the Christian church of some kind, and now considers himself kind of, as you might expect with a lot of indie artists, kind of an agnostic kind of thing. But it's interesting how he still wants to live in that imagery. And I got the sense that he wanted, that was an important part of the overall feel of the album. Yeah, well, if you ask me, I mean, the I mean, the name of the album is The Shepherd's Dog. I mean, right there, you do, that idea of the shepherd, that's a really mm-hmm. prominent Christian theme. And then the name of the band, Iron and Wine. I mean, there's a... There's, you know, there's kind of a sacramental spin to that. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I yeah. think the iron side of it is maybe a little more abstract. To me, I think of like nails and uh, crucifixion when I hear that phrase. I, I, and I think just the image of wine is very prominent in, in Christian literature and Christian work. And so I think that's, um, it's it's interesting because it's not just vaguely religious imagery. It's it's pretty specifically Christian imagery. Well, we got uh, Cain and Abel and Noah showing yeah. up, you know, yeah. in there. And uh, so with that Cain and Abel, I should, I want to plug Innocent Bones again. Um, I mean, because that's the song with Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain got a milk-eyed mule from the auction. Abel got a telephone. Probably my favorite, actually, is the second uh, stanza. And we should also notice that stanzas, not verses and choruses. Um, uh, the second yeah. stanza yeah. of Innocent Bones. A- Aaron, can you go back and explain the difference between those two? Because that's, yeah, yeah. that's an important part of the album that I kind of want to circle back to at some point. Right, yeah, I think uh, stanzas are going to be, th- there's no part of the poetry or of the lyrics where we're going back to a whole set of lyrics that are repeating the same words uh, and that are okay. tied to a certain set of recurring music. That's so so it, it basically has no refrain. I no mean, refrain. No... Well, and there are different ways we define refrain and chorus. But yeah, there's no, um, we don't need to go into that, but yeah, there's no typical um chorus as we would in the expected pop song and even the most indie music um and so we just kind of get poetic stanzas which is another way i think whether intended or not it does kind of keep people at arm's length at some level because there's no hook in that same way but anyway stanzas the second stanza of innocent bones we get cain bought a blade from some witch at the window able bought a bag of weed um and we could tell right there a little bit in that song what i never noticed before i may have noticed it unconsciously but cain and abel are not just religious imagery but they're also the the consonants associated with uh that k and b you know the cut of cain and the b of abel become are probably the most expressive consonants used throughout um hmm. and a lot of times they're used in succession and 
and sometimes they're in there, like the Abel bought a bag of weed, the bee associated with that, a lot of the brown-eyed babies, blue-eyed babies, black-eyed babies, um, bones, the, uh, and then another favorite line, there ain't a, pain, there ain't a penthouse Christian wants the pain of the scab, but they all want the scar. So you get the scab and you get the, the bee. And um, to me, like, that song is really centered on Cain and Abel in a in an interesting way to me. And I was intrigued by that, but mostly I was that was a nice layer to add on the rhythm of the consonants and that kind of play on top of just a fantastic groove and kind of feel of the rhythm. Well, Aaron, I hear you using all this language, and you know what this album is. This album is a, is a book of poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a book of poetry set to music, and it's you know, and I and maybe maybe just maybe that's why I'm having a hard time connecting with it because it's not it is not structured the way normal you know the way the way music generally is at least pop music generally is right you know it's it is structured i mean poetry is a very kind of i mean i mean for me personally it's kind of a tough art form for me to penetrate and i say that as someone who does a, a fair bit of writing and listens to a lot of music for whatever reason poetry mm-hmm. to me is is a little hard for me to 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 get my my fingers into um and that's also really interesting because that's when i moved out here you know i had just got my english degree and so i was still in that college frame of mind and i was spending a lot of time uh at the poetry there's a poetry bookstore in seattle <laughs> as ridiculous and cliche as that sounds there would yeah, be of yeah. course <laughs> of course there is a poetry bookstore in seattle uh but i was definitely in that frame of mind and i was buying a lot of poetry books and reading a lot of books of poetry yeah and so it kind of makes i never really ever thought of this album as being poetry set to music but it definitely is when i think about it yeah and when i went to examine it that's how i was treating it i was treating this like a text like i would pick pick it apart before a um you know doing a critical analysis of it yeah and so one of the things that i found which i kind of want to talk about and we have been talking about is the structure of it and you see this a lot in his music um and in the opening song of his following album uh, there's a song called walking far from home and it's it's almost like this where it's literally it's just the same three chords and every every stanza starts i was walking far from home and it's just a variation on that every time and so you you see that same thing playing out in this album where each song is kind of it starts out the same way and and it goes on as just being the variation on that and so i thought of that and then i looked to the lyrics and you start to see where there are instances of uh, copies where things are copying one another and so i see a prominent theme throughout this that it's talking a lot about copies and substitutes but how those are false representations of the things that they are copying you know and so that to me that musical repetition and copying serves as that same sort of purpose where you get this degradation where it's kind of distant from the thing it originally started out as um so that was something that i had not really picked up on until i looked into it and then it sort of blows up when you get to resurrection not blows up but it kind of goes a different direction than in resurrection fern because that's the one that has a course and a verse you know and then from that point it shifts gears and it goes into something a little bit different but i find the culmination of that theme of substitution and false representation in house by the sea which for me is the anchor of the album because you have this 
perpetuating, you know, he's stuck in the situation of perpetuating this terrible situation and unable to get free from it, but still being a key part of playing a part of it. You know, I'm, I'm making the meaning they lack, right? Like I'm a part of giving them all this reason to do that. Uh, so that that song for me, you know, Aaron, you talked about Innocent Bones being your favorite. House by the Sea is definitely my favorite and the one that stood out to me the first time I heard it. Uh, it is a beautiful song. You know, you, it's interesting that he, you know, you talk about the House by the Sea and you think of that as being an expansive, uh, adventurous place to be. But it's so, so restrained and so confined. And so, again, you sort of have that false representation. You know, a House by the Sea should be a place of of rest and safety but instead it's it's a prison where you can't really escape so i don't know if you guys have any ideas on that we were talking about how maybe he was looking at religious stuff when he chose the name um i hate to be the one that bursts everyone's bubble but uh basically it says that he chose the moniker iron and wine when he came across a dietary supplement named beef iron and wine (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. Burst our bubble. Well, reading too much into stuff. I did it to myself on the last time when we were talking about. uh, um, You know what though? I I I bet you that he did see that, and he hears the name Iron and Wine, and it appeals to him because it you know how it sounded to me. If he's if he's drawn to that kind of imagery, which it seems like he would be, then maybe that's just what did appeal to him. Not that it has any greater meaning beyond just beef, iron, and wine. (laughs) Well, so which just some is, of which I, I I'm sitting here saying it and I can't say it with a straight face. <laughs> some of his education like, is he um I, I read a little bit of background on Sam Beam just to kind of get a little bit of a feel here. Um, he first got an art degree, um, and then got an MFA from. This BCU. sounds like an MFA person, you know, album. You know, this yeah. is an art person. It does, yeah, yeah. So. What I was saying is when I went back and looked at each one individually and kind of was assessing each song, um, to me, it all, and again, I could be looking way into this, but it felt almost like a collection of paintings hmm. as far as, um, you know, even like some of the naming of the songs uh, feel like they could be like a really cool name for a piece of art. Um, and I know blah, blah, blah. Music is art. But, I mean, I'm saying an actual physical piece of art, you know, so things like House by the Sea could really be a brooding imagery uh, on canvas. Um, and then, you know, so I I would be interested. And again, I don't know if there's any way to find out um, if he's done any sort of art that is related to this album, uh, whether he <laughs> did the cover, you know, I mean, it's a very um, it's an interesting cover. Um, as far as the artistic style and everything, but that's just, I mean, that's kind of how, how I read it when I, when I started looking at the individual pieces and it made it really a lot easier for me to separate them out and appreciate them more when I had assigned my own kind of feel or my, um, direction that I was taking when I was assessing them. Um, You know, you know, John, I'm really fascinated when you say that because it's, what, you know, what you're really showing is we don't, you know, I, I think with this tendency, and I think I've, I've fallen into this sometime, even in these discussions, where we talk about um, a uh, an artist and a work of art and how we need to, you know, how we need to appreciate it on its own terms or how we need to get what the artist is doing. 
And what we really need to do is figure out kind of what this means to us and why it's worth caring about. And I think that's kind of what you did there is you 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 contextualize it for what you are you are getting out of it. And so for you, it ends up kind of being a very visual experience, even though we're talking about music, you know, which isn't a visual medium. But when you give it that context, it starts working for you a lot more. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear you say that, because I, I, I think that does give me some insight into kind of what's working here and, and what and why it might not work for me. And so I I appreciate you saying that. Definitely. Well, thanks. And of, of course, my background is very much um, not that I use it much as much anymore, but is very art. Um, so it's one of the, I'm very much a visual learner. Um, so that's one of those things where I can, I can then use that as a relatable, uh, method. Now my head is racing with, well, what does my own background say about how I approach music? And for me, it's, you know, I'm very much a very, a very interpersonal communications based kind of person. And for me, it's like, that's, I mean, for me, it's almost a conversation. And if this is kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, you, if, you, if you ever talk to someone who's not very forthcoming and it's just very taciturn and you're like, all right, well, whatever, I'm done, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm wondering, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering if that if that's also kind of just a, indicative of how I of how I approach it. I'm, I might have to come back to that in a later episode because now I'm going to be thinking about it a lot. But. I read this article just uh, just a second ago um, from the Huffington Post. It was an interview with Sam Beam uh, with regard to how he approaches the music. Um and it says, uh, quote, I have a background in art, so I'm definitely drawn to a visual style of communication. They're songs, but I treat them a lot like poems rather than diary entries or an opportunity to put something on a soapbox or grandstanding. They're more observational. So okay, it gives you a little bit of an, a background, especially when you, you said that you, Nate, you said you viewed them as like a collection of poems. Well, Sam Beam would agree. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. That's it's obviously borne out in how he approaches the songwriting. Definitely. Now, Nate, I'm just curious. Um, to me, Flightless Bird, American Mouth was pretty ex- uh, straightforward and it caught me immediately. Um, not, that's not because you only want straightforward, but I wondered if that would stand out differently to you because of it kind of stands out in a different way in the album. What do you think of that? Possibly. Uh, possibly. It's, you know, it's um one of the, one of the challenges I was having is I... It was hard for me to make it to the end of the album. Yeah, I was wondering. Um, which sounds, which I mean, I th- that sounds really lazy of me. But uh, on the other hand, it's like if you put in a lot of effort and it's not paying off, you don't just sit there trying to make it happen all the time, you know. And so I, you know, I I do want. I, I don't know if it's necessarily more accessible musically that I want. I think I want more variation mm-hmm. musically. Um, yeah. I, I think I need something that's a little. That you know that that doesn't just can't come back to the same mid-tempo acoustic groove every time, um, but you know I I, I don't I, I don't want to come down too hard on it. I I firmly believe that if I if I really put in the effort I'd I'd probably get there, but at some point it just stops being something you want to mess with. Quick side note, uh, also read that every song in Shepherd's Dog has a dog in it. Mm. Oh, huh. I go. did not know that before, but direct from a source i believe you that's crazy he he said he likes animals and so like in one of his newer albums he has birds in every single one of the songs do you guys know that when i was with my son and he had one of those uh little little critter books by mercer Mayer, and in every in every book in every page there's a little picture of a mouse somewhere so 
basically because that's the if you give a mouse a cookie author right no i don't think so but what i am saying is that sam beam is the same person as mercer Mayer. that must be the case (laughs) i don't think there's any ambiguity about it frankly he said he does enjoy reading children's books back to his kids he has a bunch of kids there you go i think it's interesting ryan that you said you liked house by the sea a lot which which i did like and you said you also liked resurrection fern and i I almost thought Resurrection Fern for me was one of my least favorite, um, and huh. though it was very, though I liked it, like it's, it's strange. Like it, for for some reason, maybe it was because of the refrain, um, or maybe it was because I heard a really terrible cover of it on YouTube. That um, <laughs> well, that'll ruin it every single and time. It wasn't just like bad; like it was fine musically. It was the wrong tune, you know, the song. Uh, you can't start on the wrong pitch, you know what I'm saying? And then the stay off. In key. Well, you can. It just won't it turn was like out well. Someone singing a harmony for the melody the whole time. It Do was so at your off. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But like that that song. I wasn't excited about the imagery, maybe as much, and it it didn't. Maybe it, again, this was more of a straightforward acoustic thing. It was like maybe what Sam Beam does before he gets all this, you know, reggae funk stuff going on, and and to me, maybe it just kind of lost a little bit. It was nice where it was placed in the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that, but I think it was probably uh, one of my least favorite songs. But for me, Innocent Bones, Flightless Bird, American Mouth, and Boy With a Coin with Wolves, Song of the Shepherd's Dog, kind of, those are my favorite, I think. Yeah, Flightless Bird, American Mouth, coming back to why you know, I first connected to this is just that feeling of just being cut loose and being on your own for once uh, definitely was where I was at in my life when I, when I heard that and I think it it does a great job of capturing the excitement um, of cutting loose and then also the abject terror of not really being sure of what that's going to mean uh, and sort of all of those different emotions that go along with it um, but Resurrection Fern, I, I just love the image of looking back on your life as a ghost with another mm-hmm. person. I, I just, I, I really like that part of it. Um, I, I uh, thought yeah, Flightless Bird, American Mouth at the end, even though I agree it's too bad that one of the better songs is stuck at the end, you have to get to it. I thought it was perfect, and I think the moment with the chorus where he goes up with the falsetto, Have I Found You, Flightless Bird, Jealous yeah. Weeping, is perfect in that sense of, you know, have I have I found it yet? And I think House by the Sea has a little bit of that. Um, with the uh, there's a house by the sea and an ocean between it and me, and like the shape of a wave, the jealous sisters will sing on my grave. And I've been living to run where they led, and I've been dying to rise from their bed, etc. And it feels like um, it's this longing, it's this thing across the ocean, this house by the sea that's right there. It's like, if I could just get across the ocean, there's this house right there by the sea that's there. And it feels like there's this thing that's, you can't get, but you can see it over the sea. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, sounds like the great Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. There's that scent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, have I found you, you know, etc. And I felt like that kind of recaps some of the themes that were being developed. I don't know if that's the right way to say it throughout. And I, it was perfect in the simplicity of the waltz kind of, uh, I think it's appropriate there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. You guys have anything else you want to add? On The Shepherd's Dog by Iron and Wine? I, I would like to... Funny kind of story. Uh, I was singing 
flightless bird american mouth and playing guitar once poorly probably um but my wife was tangentially familiar with the song thought she'd come over and sing it with me and so we get to the end you know in this emotional part and you know it's big build weeping and she sings big bird and it's like (laughs) and suddenly it's transformed into this hilarious uh horrific image of big bird just sitting there weeping lost for his lost youth. That so. is one of the scariest and most <laughs> sad images I can think of. Imagine that, that whole song that, is Big Bird, and that's, that's you'll a, have a, a different <laughs> listening for that song. I like I, I like closing the discussion on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, I'm really. We gotta end this before I start crying or something. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, that's that's Iron and Wines, The Shepherd's Dog. Fascinating album. Good stuff, guys. Hey, um, who's supposed to pick next? Is it Aaron? It's, it's Aaron. It's me, I think. I think. I think it's Aaron. Aaron, what album are you picking? Oh, yeah, I didn't even choose an album. Um, oh, great. Well, if, we'll come like, back okay, to okay. you. No, no, Pull no, Ryan. I, I, we can just do something. It'll be pretty simple. Um, okay. Top five something. I can just do, like, top five, you know, Disney songs or something. You know? So just, like, a playlist or something? Just put that together and yeah. share? Yeah. Frozen, Frozen, Frozen. Yeah, just frozen, a whole bunch frozen, of frozen, 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 You can't put Let It Go five times, man. No, I think... I could take any of you on top five, any artist, really, I think, because I could really invest in it. But the challenge is top five Toto. <laughs> so are you saying uh, you're like, on your own for that one? Are you saying like, like Toto the band or the dog? Yeah, not the no, dog. No, the band. Come on, guys. I'm not sure that's any easier. I <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Toto the dog had a really nice singles collection back in the day. Uh, I will totally take your word for that. So yeah. if you two want to duke it out, I was lying. No, so so who's up? Toto top five. Mm. Okay, well, um, I guess uh, I'll have to uh, challenge someone else. Um, will. It's about time somebody asked for my opinion on this thing. Oh, uh, we are joined. Uh, new challenger approaches. Will. Will, can you, uh, you want to take me on for top five, Toto? Because no one else wants to. I will go toe-to-toe on Toto with you. Very good. Oh. Okay, how about this, guys? Well, here, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. You guys each come up with your playlist. You said five songs, yeah, right, Aaron? Five songs. Okay, five songs each. Five top five Toto songs. The three of us will then vote on uh, me, Ryan, and John will each vote on which playlist we like more. And we'll you guys give it to us ahead of time. We'll listen to them, and then uh, on the air or next time or when we record that episode, we will vote and see who has a better playlist. And I will tell you that there will be consequences for losing. So I'm I'm laying down the stakes right now. All right, guys. With this band, there will be consequences just for playing. That's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And you can't the, just the consequences isn't the punishment are in enough that you're listening to Toto uh, no, for you that guys, long. You'll learn to love it. <laughs> Whether you like it, that sounds more like a threat. <laughs> I think it's more. You it's will hurt us more than you it hurts will get you. on. <laughs> yes. Well, I look forward to judging my friends. That'll be fun. Okay. Oh, we're Christians. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to be in episode eight. Wow. Listen to us planning ahead. We're going to have a playlist challenge on Toto between 
Aaron and new challenger Will uh, to talk about their top five Toto songs, I guess. That's a thing you can talk about. All right, until next time, this is the Takedown Notice, and uh, it's been a pleasure, as always. Uh, this is Nate, John, Ryan, Aaron, and now Will signing off. Everyone have a great time. So long. But the basic act of do I enjoy listening to this, and the, the answer, the best I can give is kind of. <laughs>